0: And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, in chapters 1 and 2, has a highly developed uh, understanding of what, in Protestant circles, we commonly call general revelation. Um, And it has to do with what people can know about God through uh, created things and also what people can know about God from their own sense of in, you know, it's moral uh, morality. But here's the passage I want to take a look at uh, in the next two segments. It's Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And of course, we'll go beyond that, but here, here it is, and this is intriguing. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law, you know, the Mosaic law, the law of the Hebrews, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, They are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. So this has given uh, pause to a lot of great Catholic theologians over the centuries, and the Catholic tradition has given this a tremendous amount of thought. My guest, Dr. Robert Festigi, is a contributor and co-editor of a volume called St. Paul, the Natural Law and Contemporary Legal Theory. And uh, Dr. Festigi is a professor of systematic theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit. And uh, he's also served as the executive editor of the 2009-2013 Supplements to the New Catholic Encyclopedia. And he's authored several books, including The Mystical Theology of the Catholic Reformation. Dr. Festigi, good to have you here again.
1: Oh, it's it's great to be with you, Al. Uh, thank you. I'm glad you took uh, notice of that, that book I co-edited uh, yeah. quite a while ago, about a decade ago. <laughs> uh,
0: uh, I'm not sure. But I
1: guess, I, I guess the, the natural law still has uh, importance. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, and I can't tell you thanks. how I laid my hands on the book either, because it popped up in my library, and I thought, heck, this is good, so we should do something with it.
1: Oh well thank you thank you you know I'm at home now and I I, I looked for the book I have it in my office at the seminary but I found on my computer the the, the you the, know the draft <laughs> the, the, the yeah the text that I I edited so I have I have the essay yeah and uh I I'm glad I I, I learned a lot in writing it yes you know
0: well let's let's talk about the idea of law there's a lot uh, the role of law in St. Paul's life uh, is very important uh, he, he talks about the law sometimes meaning uh, mosaic law sometimes meaning uh, a certain particular uh, defining characteristics of Judaism by which they distinguish themselves from the uh, Gentile world and then he means yeah. what we Catholics would call in some way natural law um, are they related?
1: Well, yes, I I think so. When he says, see how a a man or a person is justified by faith and not by works of the law, that's in in Romans 3.28, he's really saying not by the working, the the cultic law of Judaism. Mm -hmm. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who saves us. He's he is the savior of the human race. But he does speak uh, uh, about uh, the, the um, in Galatians, of the Old Covenant serving as a kind of tutor or disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. You know, the pedagogos, preparing the way for Christ that we might be justified by faith. And then he's not certainly opposed to the moral law. That was uh, a heresy known as antinomianism, Right. the idea that uh, if we're justified by faith, then we are free of observing the moral law. If you read St. Paul in, the, in, in his letter to the Corinthians, I mean, he really tells them that the unjust will not inherit the kingdom of God, right. and that neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor catamites nor satamites, nor, uh, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor robbers will inherit the kingdom of God. First Corinthians six nine through ten. So some of the Corinthians apparently were misinterpreting the freedom from the law. They right. they thought this meant freedom from the moral law. Mm-hmm. But just observing the moral law doesn't save us. It's the grace of Christ. His Saving death and resurrection, that's our, our source of salvation. But And then we can't earn our salvation because it's a grace, it's a right. gratia. But we could lose our justification if we don't show the obedience of faith and we commit mortal sin. We lose that grace of justification, though it could be restored by a good confession, thanks be to God. So St. Paul and the Catholic Church certainly are not opposed the moral law. Pope Francis recently said in a in a general audience, observing the commandments is essential, right. though we are saved by Christ and His uh, uh, saving death and resurrection. So that's that's what we really have to keep in mind. Now, but um, is is yeah, the rel-
0: ahead, w- what is the relationship between um, the revealed law of God revealed? Uh, uh, what Moses received on Sinai uh, and the so-called natural law.
1: Yeah. well, there is there is a connection because both come from God, right? And uh, St. Thomas Aquinas deals with this. I mean, there's, as I say in that chapter, at one point, St. Augustine actually interprets that passage of Romans uh, two fourteen through sixteen in a way the catholic church would distance herself from because he was saying the gentiles who come to know uh uh the law are those who have have, have accepted the gospel hmm. Uh, and this is in the, the Spiritu et, 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 et Litera, hmm. chapters okay. 43 440. You know, so he, he, he's basically saying that the Gentiles who by nature observe the moral law are those Gentiles who have become Christians.
0: Hmm. Interesting. But,
1: but on this point, the church uh, sided with the understanding of St. Thomas Aquinas, and uh, he articulated it, and others as well. But he describes the natural law as the participation of the eternal law in the rational creature, and whereby the uh, the rational creature has a natural inclination to its proper end and act. So the the, the natural law, according to St. Thomas, is also an imprint in us of the divine light. And when he's commenting on uh, Romans 2, uh, t- uh, uh, 14 through 15, he cites a gloss that that uh, observes, although the Gentiles have no written law, yet they have the natural law, yeah. whereby each one knows and is conscious of what is good and what is evil. So, both come from God, if the, the natural law is a participation of the rational creature in the eternal law of God, we honor the gift of human reason. But then we say, well, if we we can know what is right and wrong by natural reason, or this participation in the eternal law, why do we need the revealed uh, law, like mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments, or right. uh, the Sermon on the Mount? And uh, St. Thomas says it was needed because uh, human beings need laws that direct them to their final end, and also because human judgment is uncertain, and only God is competent to make laws pertaining to the judgment of interior hidden matters. And uh, also, it's important, he, he does also note the the effect of the fall concupiscence, yeah. and the darkening of the intellect. And so though, although human reason is capable of coming to know right and wrong by the natural powers of human reason, which is really a sharing in the eternal light of God, because uh, even non-Christians of course are created in God's image and likeness, so there's this kind of awareness of right and wrong but because of the effects of original sin there's the darkening of the intellect and um, it's very easy uh, to turn to the creature, serve the creature rather than the creator, as St. Paul also indicates. So we do have uh, righteous people who've never heard the gospel, but there—is it possible to be saved simply by the natural law? And uh, uh, no, the, just observing the commandments is not. There has to be some type of uh, animation by charity but that the Church says that that is possible, uh, even with those by those who have invincible ignorance of the Gospel, and strive to do God's will, as it is known to them through the dictates of conscience. No. So God, uh, it was Blessed Pius the Ninth who first articulated this in the. 19th century, the idea of invincible ignorance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then the idea of baptism of desire. On right. the letter of the Holy Office concerning the Father Feeney case, it was said that the baptism of desire doesn't always have to be explicit, like with catechumens.
0: Right, it right.
1: could be found in the disposition of a person seeking to do God's will. So and this is a mystery.
0: Yes. Know, a bit, and that's what I wanted to ask. So when we have somebody who um, desires to observe the natural law, uh, which is in some way written on their hearts, is he responding to the motions of grace from God? Yeah.
1: Y- yes, I-, I think in some mysterious way, Yeah. because uh, how grace operates in the lives of people who have not heard the gospel or have heard it in an imperfect way how grace operates is known it's it operates in ways known to god himself
0: right right
1: that's what sec- the second vatican council limited itself to to, to 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 saying in agentes you know this grace that comes from uh, christ Death and resurrection, his sacrifice on the cross, how this is made available to individual non-Christians who uh, t- live a moral life and are striving to do God's will mm-hmm. as it is known to them and the dictates of conscience, um, as the CDF said, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in Dominus Iesus. In the year 2000, it says uh, that God bestows this grace in ways known to himself. Mm-hmm. So theologians are trying to better understand that, and mm-hmm. their work is to be commended. Mm-hmm. But no theology is acceptable that says we could there's any other way of being saved mm-hmm. other than through uh, the passion and death hold, and resurrection.
0: Hold it there, Dr. Vestige We'll be right back. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Robert Festigi, Sacred Heart Major Seminary. Taking a look at uh, St. Paul, the natural law in the Catholic tradition, uh, the natural law represents the knowledge of the moral law that's obtained by uh, natural reason. And that's distinct from the knowledge of the moral law one receives uh, through divine revelation, uh, like the scriptures. Uh, But they work together. Reason and revelation work together, and um, they both reinforce the same moral principles, because the moral principles actually reveal to us the nature of God. And um, Dr. Festigi, one thing you point out here that I think is important for us to realize is that natural law is distinct from conscience and what's the relationship between conscience and the natural law
1: yeah that's very very good you know the important thing to understand is is conscience is described either in an interpersonal way like in in Vatican II gaudium at spez sixteen where it says conscience is that secret core and sanctuary of a of a human being who uh where he is alone with God, you know, he or she is alone with God, whose voice Mm -hmm. echoes in the depths of the heart, and hears that voice saying, do this, shun that. But you see, the natural law is not conscience, or conscience is not the natural law, because the the conscience would... uh, be sensitive to the law, whether by nature, or by the natural law, or by revealed law. That law comes from God. Right. So the conscience is, we could say, the resource, or some call it a faculty, by which we discern uh, the moral law, then mm-hmm. make the judgment of conscience to apply it in a concrete case. But uh, conscience is, is not the source of the law. Right. So it is a, it is our. The, the resource we have within our, ourselves by which we could discern or we could uh, know that know the law of god either by by reason or by revelation. so that's i think the way to understand it and and so we make a judgment of conscience, but it's also even if we we, we it's we have that inter subjective understanding, that, that secret core and sanctuary of the human person, uh, where we're alone with God, this would correspond to going to confession, where we make an examination of conscience, that we should put ourselves before the light of God, and ask in our hearts, show me what I have done, what I need to to repent. Yeah. So that's a kind of examination of conscience, but the key is the Conscience does not create the natural law. There's a law written in the heart. That's how Saint Paul puts it. Right. It's written into the heart. But the law, the heart, which uh, is the secret core, right. is not the is not the source of that's the natural right. law. That's the right. law comes from God, and it's written in the heart. I think that's the way to
0: understand yeah. it. Yeah. No, very good. And, very good.
1: Yes. And and you know, it, there's uh, so many um, rather recent. Uh, uh papal statements about the natural law and uh, you know I mention a few of them in 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 my article but I I like what uh uh, what Pope or Saint John the Twenty third says in 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 Terrace where he clearly refers to this this law that uh in Pachamentaris, the world's creator has stamped man's inmost being with an order revealed to him by his conscience Mm. and his conscience insists on his preserving it. But men show that the work of the law is written in their heart and their conscience bears witness to them. So see conscious conscience becomes aware of the law that is written in the heart. And then he just cites that man has in his heart a law written by God to obey it is the very dignity of man. According to it, he will be judged. This is from the Second Vatican Council. But then St. John Paul II, in Evangelium Vitae, has this uh, 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 so, uh, some really clear references to the natural law. And so in confirming the grave immorality of the killing of an innocent human being, in Evangelium Vitae, number 57, he says, this doctrine... Based on that unwritten law, which man in the light of reason finds in his own heart, confer Romans two fourteen through fifteen, is reaffirmed by sacred scripture, transmitted by the tradition of the church, and taught by the ordinary and universal magisterium. So you see, the first source uh, he appeals to is the law, the unwritten law written into the human heart, the natural law. So by the natural law, by our participation, by reason in the eternal law of God, we should know the direct killing of an innocent human being is wrong. That's why uh, if we apply this to abortion, it's not just we are imposing a Catholic belief on uh, others. We are appealing to
0: uh,
1: science and also, what is known as wrong by reason of the natural law—right,
0: right—that that, yeah. that
1: the killing an innocent human being before birth is is a is a great violation of justice and charity. This should be known by the natural law. So, John Paul II reaffirms that in that magnificent encyclical uh, Evangelium Vitae.
0: Yeah. Um. This is a speculative question, but I'll ask it anyways. When culture, when a society uh, begins to uh, publicly turn from what previous generations had seen as the natural law, does that make it more difficult for the next generation, uh, next few generations, to properly grasp? natural law. Let's take homosexuality, for instance. Oh, we have now have uh, homosexual so-called marriage, and uh, it's not only tolerated in America, it's often approved and even applauded in certain circles so that young people growing up today will not know a time when there were no, you know, homosexual marriages. Uh, their idea of marriage is will be shaped by their social experience. Uh, yeah. Does that make it more difficult to yeah. discern the natural yeah. law when a society has a distorted understanding of it?
1: Yes, I think so, because we are affected by our upbringing and our yeah. training, and uh, this is what Saint Paul means when he talks about the the, the darkening of the mind of, of of the Romans. So he's aware that there were virtuous Romans who who. Could know the, the law of God, and they could know even the existence of God through the things that God has made. This is Romans one nineteen through twenty. But uh, but he also talks about how God gave them up to their their their, their, their uh, distorted passions.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, also in Romans, so that's what can happen. You know, when there's ingrained uh, uh, immorality whether it be, you know, racism or uh, something like that, um slavery, it could become acceptable. Sure. To, and and so then it becomes harder for people to perceive it as wrong, and then it's usually packaged or sold with uh, a kind of virtuous overture, you know, like, well, the a woman has a choice over her body for abortion mm-hmm. or people need love
0: yeah. and
1: why are you trying to deprive uh, a homosexual couple of love right, right. well uh, you know what happens then is we lose touch with the the rational structure of human biology yes and 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 so there's a darkening of the mind and an inability to see you know, the the way the male body is designed and the way the female body yeah. is designed yeah. and that this is according to nature. So it's kind of ironic where in so many ways we want to get back to nature and have uh um natural ingredients and so on in our food.
0: Sure.
1: But when it comes to looking at the the the, the, the what nature tells us about um, sexual relations, the male body and the female body, that's considered in some circles by uh, a, a social construct. Yeah, And so there, yeah. There, there's this uh, uh, gender ideology, which the Congregation for Catholic Education has condemned, and Pope Francis has condemned, um, and before him, Benedict XVI, John Paul II, but because it's something recent, this gender ideology no, we have to love people. Uh, we have to love people and try to help people with homosexual uh, uh, tendencies. And as the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith said in 1975 their culpability will be judged with prudence. Right. But right. still, no uh, pastoral uh, means could be uh, upheld, which then would justify the action. Yes, the the person has to be loved and accompanied and helped. But a lot of people say, "Well, what do they need to be helped? What they're doing is natural for them." I, I had a, a I had a friend who was in theology a long time ago. Now he's he's been judged, gone to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But that's what he said. Well, he, it's natural to them.
0: Right. So right.
1: this is where it, it, I think we need to get back to what. What uh, what the natural law will tell us about this, yeah. and which is is not just physicalist.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that phrase physicalism because you hear that raised uh, when we when we talk about the design, the argument from the design of the, the body, male and female. We're being charged with physicalism. What the heck is that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I address that in, 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 in my article, but I, I, I say that. Th- there's the natural structure of human acts and relations and it roots human sexuality in the embodied dignity of the human person as male and female but this is not reducing human sexuality to physicalism (laughs) as some catholic theologians try to argue rather it is applying the law of reason to the natural ordering of human sexual acts and in this context the true meaning of the natural law is discovered in reference to man's proper and primordial nature, the nature of the human person, which is the person himself in the unity of soul and body, in the unity of his spiritual and biological inclinations, and of all the other specific character characteristics necessary to the pursuit of this end. This is from Veritate Splendor, number 50 of St. John Paul II. So we could take human reason... I mean that's the that's what natural law is the it's an ordo rationis an order of reason uh it's right reason going back to cicero the roman senator and philosopher it's right reason ratio recta so we look with right reason at the structure of the human body and the structure of human sexual acts and uh, we could apply it to that yeah. and those who uh, you know that um I don't need to describe these acts, but the this is what the church has called contra naturum mm-hmm. that this is against nature, acts of sodomy and so on right, right. Uh, so i i uh, you know uh, i I think that we could if reason is operating properly now Saint Thomas Aquinas said there are conclusions of the natural law which are obvious and others which are known only to the wise. Mm. But I think in, the, in these cases, it doesn't take too much wisdom
0: no. <laughs> to look at
1: the structure of the human body.
0: I, I but, agree. <laughs> but a culture
1: can distort the mind and, and teach people uh, uh, things that are distorted. Yeah. And we just have to be be patient and charitable, but teach the truth with, with love. Amen. We can
0: help. <laughs> Dr. Vestigy, thanks. Always good talking with you.
1: God bless you, Al. God bless you and your work.
0: Thank you. Dr. Robert Fistigi.